Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. And today we are welcoming back Rick Doblin, the founder and executive director of MAPS. Now, if you missed him on the last episode, please make sure to go back and listen to a fantastic episode that will give you all of the background that you need to understand about how uh, psychedelics play into the mental health world from a very impactful and positive perspective, but also a little bit of the history on why we have to even explain that and why we're sort of coming from a defensive position into a more scientific reasoning conversation. So Rick, there's so much to cover from what you brought up last time, many different substances. But I think the area that is particularly interesting and also that we've not covered on this podcast before, because we have talked about ketamine therapy, we have talked about LSD, we've talked about cocaine and heroin with Dr. Carl Hart, never talked about MDMA. So let's focus on MDMA. What is MDMA? Is it a psychedelic? How does it differ if not? Um, Give us the high level and then let us know how MDMA actually works. So MDMA stands for methylene dioxymethamphetamine. In 1953, the U.S. Army Chemical Warfare Service did a series of uh, toxicity studies for mind control, but uh, only in animals, so we can tell. And on one side was methamphetamine, and on the other side was mescaline from peyote, and MDMA was in the middle. So MDMA is, is chemically related to mescaline as the only classic psychedelic that it's related to directly, a phenethylamine. And it's also chemically related to methamphetamine, but it's different than either mescaline or methamphetamine. So it, it has the alerting properties of methamphetamine, but it doesn't make you jittery. And that way you can be very peaceful. You can meditate. You can. It also reduces the fear response in the amygdala. We have that portion of our brain is reduced activity, more activity in the prefrontal cortex. Think logically. It connects up the hippocampus and the amygdala for Uh, Long-term memory storage, uh, difficult emotions can be stored in memory. It releases oxytocin, which is the um, hormone of love, nurturing, connection. And it uh, releases serotonin, dopamine, norepinephrine. Um, And so it's unlike mescaline in the sense that it doesn't have quite this ego-dissolving aspects of the classic psychedelics. So it's different from the classic psychedelics, which are LSD, psilocybin, you know, mescaline, ibogaine, things like that. But psychedelic means mind manifesting. The word was created in the 50s. And so a broad definition of psychedelic is mind, mind, and the actual definition for me. So I'd say MDMA is a psychedelic. Some people call it an empathogen or an intactogen, meaning to put you in touch with your um, inner self, intactogen or empathogen, meaning help you be more empathic both with yourself and others. It's otherwise known as ecstasy. People have probably heard of it in that way or Molly or MD or, or all different ways. It's been quite popular in England and still is. It's one of the world's more popular recreational drugs, but it was a therapy drug in the middle 70s to the early 80s before it became a party drug. And then it became a party drug under ecstasy. That's when it got criminalized. And now we're trying to bring it back to have it become a um prescription medicine for psychotherapy, initially for PTSD and trauma, and eventually for a whole range of other clinical indications. 
And how it works is when you work with it in therapy, people who have PTSD, it's like the trauma is still happening. It's never over. It's never in the past. And they're always reminded of it. And every time they remember, it's very difficult for them. Nightmares, avoidance behavior, emotional numbing, hypervigilance, a lot of problems from that. And MDMA can quiet all of that so that people can process the trauma, process meaning not be overwhelmed by the emotions, but let the emotions be experienced in their full. And then you can, what's called fear extinction and memory reconsolidation. So for brain care, let's just say that if your brain is stuck on certain things, certain memories and emotions, your brain has changed. So we know that PTSD changes people's brains. They have a hyperactive amygdala. They have reduced activity in the prefrontal cortex. They reduced connectivity between the hippocampus and the amygdala. So the people's PTSD changes their brains and MDMA can change it back. It's the same with other psychedelics too, is you get stuck in these patterns. There's at Harvard at the Massachusetts General Hospital, they're starting a psychedelic center. So they've overcome the ghost of Timothy Leary, but they're focused on what they call rumination, which is basically what you have with OCD or depression or anxiety or, or PTSD. It's just, you go over and over in these loops that you can't get out of. And psychedelics in different ways help you get out of those loops. There's a whole phenomenon called neuroplasticity. So what we understand now is that the brain is continuing to grow and make new connections and other connections are withering away. Your brain is not one um, hard drive that you know you get at your birth and that's it. Your brain is evolving over time through experience and also through all sorts of other things. So what we know is that MDMA, we know this because Gould Dolan, a neuroscientist at Johns Hopkins, has done studies in octopuses and mice, giving them MDMA. And in mice, what she showed, and this was published in Nature, so you could say probably the top science journal in the world. And what she showed is that MDMA stimulates the release of oxytocin and that the oxytocin promotes new neural connections in these uh, pro-social, social reward learning ways. And also it helps you reroute what's called memory reconsolidation, how you the episodes and the emotions of a trauma before and after therapy are different. So how these drugs work, and, and I think this helps people when you think about neuroplasticity, how is it that you can have one or two experiences or three experiences in therapy and your life can be changed and you don't need these drugs anymore. It's not like pharma drugs where you take it every day for the rest of your life and it controls the symptoms, but it doesn't solve the problem. You stop taking the drugs, your problems come back. This goes to the root cause, helps you make brain changes, helps you rewire your brain, helps reconsolidate the memory so when you remember the trauma differently. And just to add, it doesn't work with everybody, but in our study, phase three study, the final stage of research to get drugs approved as a medicine, we have to do two phase three studies. Our first phase three study has been done published in Nature Medicine. And what we showed is that in the control group that has therapy without MDMA compared to therapy with MDMA, we work with the hardest cases. We work with severe PTSD. We work with people who have previously attempted suicide. We don't exclude them. Many PTSD studies exclude people who've attempted suicide. Um, what we showed is that after 42 hours of therapy, so the intervention is 
three eight-hour MDMA sessions with a male-female co-therapy team. So it's a two-person team, not always male-female, but usually. And so these three eight-hour sessions, one month apart, and then 12 90-minute non-drug psychotherapy sessions, three before the first MDMA session for preparation, and then three after each MDMA session for integration. And then we look at the two-month follow-up. That's for getting the drug approved. We also look at the one-year follow-up for insurance companies to, or national healthcare, the NHS, to show that the benefits last. But what we showed is that 32% of the people who had therapy without MDMA in the hardest cases, who many of them had had PTSD, they had PTSD an average of 14 years, one-third of them over 20 years, that 32% no longer had PTSD in the control group. But when you add MDMA, 67% no longer have PTSD. And of the one third that still has PTSD, most of them have had what's called clinically significant reductions of PTSD symptoms, meaning their lives have changed. But if we could have given them a fourth session or waited a little bit longer, maybe they would no longer have PTSD as well. This is work that you've been at the forefront of and trying to drive change in for multiple decades. So how close do you feel like you are at the moment for, um, I guess, vindication would be a very petty word. And you've probably taken far too many psychedelics in your time to be vindictive in any kind of sense, but happy to bring more joy and evidence to the world, let's say. Well, well I'll, I say that we also joke a lot that there's always room for more humility. <laughs> so certainly not being vindictive, you're right. We're two and a half years away, we think, from FDA approval and approval in Israel and approval in Canada. We think that we're going to finish the second phase three study in October 2022. And then we analyze the data for a month or two, submit to FDA. And by the second half of uh, 2023, we think we'll have approval. In Europe, we're about a year behind. We're starting the studies to train the therapists in six countries, nine sites throughout Europe, and I uh, will include Europe plus the England. We think that by the end of 2024, we'll have approval in England and throughout Europe. And then we're talking to people in Brazil and Australia, and our plan is to globalize and uh, make it available to people all over the world. Amazing. And, and can then anyone just attend MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, or how would you screen patients? What would the process be like in the real world? Well, in the real world, it's only going to be approved for PTSD. Right. There's what's called off-label prescription. So doctors, the, the FDA doesn't, and the uh, MHRA and others, they don't control the practice of medicine. They just control what drugs are approved for what things. But doctors can prescribe drugs for things that they have not been approved for or in doses that haven't been tested. And that's called off-label prescription. It might not be covered by insurance. You have to worry about malpractice. If you have a significant minority of your peers, then you're not gonna be guilty of malpractice. And, but you don't have to have majority, it doesn't have to be approved. So MAPS as a sponsor, and the sponsors cannot knowingly sell for off-label prescriptions, but therapists can make off-label prescriptions and, and you know, they order the drug and we don't know what they're ordering the drug for, and then they can use it for a variety of different things. But it will initially be for PTSD in individuals. Now, we are wanting to start group therapy research. And so probably early 2022, we're going to start a study at the Portland VA that would be looking at MDMA-assisted therapy in veterans in a group process. And we're looking at six veterans and four therapists. 
But even in that study, to be cautious, we're gonna start with each person is gonna get their own individual therapy before they do MDMA in a group. What is the single most exciting development in the psychedelic world in terms of impact for mental health? Which particular compound are you most excited for to bring to the world and prove that it can make a real impact? Well, MDMA, and the most important thing has been our phase three results published in Nature Medicine. So of all these for-profit psychedelic companies and nonprofits and everything, we're the only one in phase three. And our first phase three results were tremendously successful. We had a great safety track record and other things I could say about it effect size and statistical significance was all terrific. And that sends a signal to the entire field, to the entire world, that it's not just hype, that under very rigorous, scientifically, methodologically sound studies, we have been able to demonstrate remarkable healing potential from MDMA-assisted therapy for PTSD. Incredible. Um, Rick, final question. What does brain care mean to you? How does brain care show up in your everyday life? Well, for me, brain care means not caring things from the past, but as much in the present, you could say it's a Zen-like thing almost, you know, to be in the here and now, and but to be have access to all your memories and not have these emotional blocks. My wife and I try to do MDMA together once a year for our relationship, but also I happen to like marijuana and I'm in a state where marijuana is legal. So brain care for me is sort of relaxing the rigidity and making things more flexible and then bring things to the surface and processing them you know, it also means uh, enough sleep, eating well, things like that. But but it mainly means um, having a um, mission and purpose as a uh, antidote, you could say, to depression and anxiety and meaninglessness, have a mission and purpose. And also it means trying to be physically and mentally healthy. It, it really means trying to challenge everything that I think. So brain care for me means not just buying into whatever I want to be true, but it means this ongoing scientific process of challenging my own hypotheses, uh, challenging the limitations that I put on myself and looking where my emotional vulnerabilities are, trying to be up to date. Amazing. Rick, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome to have you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at your heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how healthy your brain is, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain health to get your free score from one to a hundred. See you next time.